episode of Get Real with Spree, we're going to jump into a topic that has been, <laughs> let's just say, the phrase of my life for several years. Um, I didn't really want to admit that this was something that I was going through, but reality is it was, and that is toxic relationships. Today, we're going to talk about my story and my friend Alba's story about what toxic relationships truly are and about some signs. What is a healthy relationship versus a toxic relationship? So we're going to dive deep and really get real about toxic relationships on today's episode of Get Real with Spree. The Get Real with Spree podcast will be back in a moment after a word from our sponsor. A creative life moves fast. And in that creative life, marketing and advertising can be overwhelming. Do you want to get connected into the social media pipeline? Do you know where to start? Spree Creative by Design is ready to answer these questions and to take it much further with top-line marketing and consulting, social media management, graphic design, photography, public relations, one-on-one, small business, large business. It's time we find your why, and most importantly, begin telling everyone else. It's time to get real about your current and future customers. It's time to get real with Spree. All right, guys, we are back. We are in chapter two, and this is episode two of chapter two, and we're diving deep into what toxic relationships truly are. And I'm going to share a little bit of my story. But before we do that, I want to introduce the person that I have on today's podcast. He's a great friend of mine. Um, I would say he's my best guy friend. Um, He is somebody that knows way too much about my personal life. Um, And honestly, if it wasn't for him and another friend of mine, I think I would still be in a toxic relationship. They are the ones that saw it for what it was. And they made me feel like I wasn't crazy. There were some toxic things going on. And they also also made me feel like if I walked away from that, I would not be alone. So with that introduction, hi, Alba. Hey, Spree. It's great to be your um, wonderful guy friend and to know way too much about you. <laughs> yes, he he has that uh, token, uh, gosh, that uh, responsibility, I must say, um, whether I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but you wear it well, so I appreciate it. You're very welcome. <laughs> So today we're going to talk about toxic relationships. I'm going to share a little bit about my story, but you have your own story or stories, I guess I should say as well, right? Oh yeah. I had my share of toxic relationships, people that I thought I could help and save and give a better life and ultimately um, almost destroyed me. So toxic, how do you describe the word toxic? What does that mean to you? Uh, toxic to me is anybody who isn't willing to um, look at themselves to become better. You know, they, they get stuck in the same routines um, and then and sometimes can even be narcissistic. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about that. Oh, believe me, we'll talk about that. You know, my story uh, started a little over nine years ago uh, when my ex and I started dating. We were together way too long. I can just say that. Um, but there were so many toxic traits and toxic things that I think made it 
what felt like impossible to leave. One of the most toxic things, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it. One of the most toxic things were the times where I would say, I can't do this anymore. It's, I, I, we have to break up. This is not good. We're not healthy for one another. And he would threaten to kill himself every single time to the point to where I wouldn't, I didn't tell anybody for years that he did this because I was embarrassed. First off, I was embarrassed that I would be with somebody that would say that to me. And then I was embarrassed for staying, but it feels virtually impossible to walk away when someone is putting that over your head, but that's toxic and it's scary at the same time. Um, But that was one of the biggest things for me is I look back now and I knew it was toxic when I was in it, but I think there was other red flags that I'm going to share here in a little bit that I just kind of thought they were what they were. And the longer I saw them and the more I talked to friends and was open with friends about what was going on, I realized that this was not okay. So tell me a little bit about your story. Tell me a little bit about some things that you're willing to share when it comes to toxic relationships. Okay, well, the, the the worst toxic relationship I had was with the lady who, um, when we got together, I first, okay, drinking a little too much, but maybe maybe I can help her stop doing the drinking. Um, that turned into be a, an impossible task mm-hmm. that I didn't realize how difficult it was going to be for her to even come close to stopping. Mm-hmm. Um and then that turned into me, you know, not wanting to be the bad guy and, you know, just kick her to the curb, yeah. you know, to make her homeless, um, basically tolerating very toxic behavior, like um, having fights start for no reason, mm-hmm. you know, um, having um, her getting alcohol when she shouldn't get alcohol, uh, attacking me with... Um, you know, verbally and physically attacking me. And she had a mental illness of why, and there's a reason why she was like that. It just, one of the things where I thought I could fix it. Right. <laughs> you know, and it took, it took, it took a while, you know, took way too long to be like, okay, this is beyond my control, beyond any help. You know, I've sent her, you know, drove her to several therapists, you know, she would always get herself fired from them. Um, it was just the, the type of issue she had it was just something I wasn't going to help fix, and you know, ultimately was bringing me down, was making me depressed. You know, frustrated people were just like they could tell I was not the same person mm-hmm. dealing with all that. I feel like you and I both are the type of people that want to fix situations. Um, I used to not necessarily describe myself as that, but if I look back on nine years of a relationship, of course that's what I was trying to do. I thought I could fix him. I thought I could uh, make this better. I thought maybe I'd wake up the next day and it wouldn't be so bad. I think that we, you and I both have that tendency to want to fix things and serve people and help people. But sometimes you got to help yourself. Well, exactly. If you, if you can't take care of yourself, you're no good to anybody, you know, and, and, and most people don't also understand, like, you know, there are moments where, uh, she, she wasn't terrible, you yeah. know, where she was sweet, where she would cook me dinner and, you know, and you know, th- you know, think about me on something. Mm-hmm. But when it come down to it, she just—it was long as she got her bottle, she was happy, mm-hmm. you know. And it, everything came down to that, and it, there was there was no stopping it. Um, and it didn't matter if her behavior put 
my life in danger or anyone else's life in danger. She was determined to get what she wanted. It was very um, narcissistic and where my feelings didn't matter. You know, the stress on me didn't matter. Long as she got, she had a house to live in and she had the bottle. And, you know, I feel like so many times we think of toxic relationships, we think as the women being the victim and the male being the toxic one. Um, But that's not always the case. And your story proves that. Yeah, I mean, it it just anybody can be toxic and anybody can, you know, take advantage of other people. And and that's what they, you know, how they get by is knowing that there's they they know that there's somebody that wants to try to help them and, and, and they take advantage of that. So I'm going to read some things. I found an article today that had seven differences um, in healthy relationships versus toxic relationships. And the first one is how you handle, uh, quote, bumps in the road or issues, how you handle those things. Um, in, in my experience with my ex, it was every little thing turned into a huge thing. And that's something that we're going to talk about a little bit later, but every little thing turned into a big mountain of a problem. Um, Or I would try to voice something and I would be upset about something and he would be upset at me for being upset and trying to turn it on me whenever, you know, maybe he said he would be uh, wherever we were supposed to be or meet me at his apartment two hours ago and I had to wait for him for two hours. And instead of being empathetic and understanding why I was upset or frustrated, he would get mad at me for being upset or frustrated. And so I look back and I'm like, that's not how we should have handled those issues or those bumps in the road. That's a very unhealthy way to handle those things. Do you have any examples of how you've seen that in your life? Oh, you know, I've seen that in your case, in my own case, um, where things that should just been a quick, easy conversation would blow up into something a lot larger. Yes. You know, uh, she was also one of those that actually just liked to start fights. Yeah. Like, I'm a chill guy. And for her, it it was like she had to start a fight. And and that's where you also you see people and a lot of young couples have this idea that fights equal passion equal love. And it's like that is such a wrong idea Mm -hmm. in my head because... It's okay to have passion and to share passion, but you should be able to, um, really comes down to it, you should be able to discuss something in a healthy way. And you can, you can argue. Like, that's where people also get wrong to think if you argue at all, you know, that it, the relationship is doomed to fail. Like, no, every couple is going to have arguments. You're right. going to have disagreements. disagreements. We're not, you're not symbiotic, the same person. No. You know, it's not a hive mind. And so it's how you deal with it and the, the you know, how you can maybe, if it gets a little too tense, kind of be able to take a, you know, say something to kind of lighten the mood to mm-hmm. bring it back to, you know, because when it comes down to it, you both should still care about each other. Yeah. And as long as you still care about each other, you should always be able to go back to, you know, I really adore this person. I really care. And, you know, even though we, one of us said something we didn't mean, we can, 
you know, we could come back from it. Right. Um, the next one was how you um, empathize with one another or show empathy to your partner. Um, that's a big difference in toxic versus healthy relationships. In my experience, I do deal with depression and anxiety, and he was never empathetic toward that. It was, you're just crazy. Why did you get upset? It wasn't, okay, let's figure out why that triggered you or this or that. It was, oh, you need to get a hold of your emotions or you don't need to, I'm not... The, the best line was, I'm not in charge of your emotions. He would use that often. And so there was a complete lack of empathy there. In, in those cases, it's like you're annoying them with their emotions and they just, you know, don't want to deal with it. Right. Keep it out of their face. You know, you deal with it on your own time. And, you know, and, and especially when it's something that they're the cause of. Yes. That's what they, sometimes they hate the most. It's like, oh, well... You know, don't tell me I caused this. You know, they won't even acknowledge this or they're doing. It's just, you just better get in line and deal with it as, you know, they see fit. Uh, the next one, um, which I'm going to put a little spin on this one, it's how often you use the silent treatment. That's not something that really was an issue in my relationship. Instead, what was a big issue was that when we had arguments or had a situation, any type of situation, I need to step away and process. I not I don't need the silent treatment. I don't and I don't give the silent treatment. I simply need to step away and process because I'm very very intuitive on why I do what I do, and I really try to think through those things. Um, I go to therapy, like I really try to work on myself, and so sometimes I need to step away and process. And usually I can come back and go, "This is why I reacted the way I did. It had nothing to do with this, or it did have something to do with this," and talk about it. Well, he did not want to let me process. He wanted an answer immediately and he would push me until I would completely combust. And so he would never let me process. He wanted, he would push and he would push and he would push. And so he would give me the opposite of the silent treatment and he would push and he would push and he would push. And then that would usually cause me to completely explode. And yes, do I need to take responsibility for the things I say and do and how I react? A hundred percent. But do I also realize that I asked multiple times to step back into process, usually in the same situations I would ask multiple times. And that's why I would completely come unglued. And so silent treatment really wasn't an issue that we had. It was almost the complete opposite. Yeah. And, and what, the, what they want is you to be off balance. Yes. They don't want you to have time to compose yourself. You know, they want, you know, and the silent treatment's the same way. You know, it's, it's just ops, it's just doing the opposite thing. But they want you to feel like, you know, especially if you give a sign, if you are being quiet, a lot of times they will just say crazier and crazier mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. to push you to say, to respond. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you explode, they're quiet. Yeah, they're quiet and calm and sane, you know, but if you're quiet, because it's a control thing. They want to feel like they're forcing your emotions. Yes. And if they can force you to be angry or sad or, you know, upset at them, then they are controlling you like a puppet, you know, and that's what makes them feel better about themselves. The next one is how much you can truly depend on a person. Um, it's a big difference in a toxic versus healthy relationship. Um, and in my case, when you say depend on a person, what immediately comes to mind is how much I can depend them on them to be on time, to be reliable. If I ask them to do something, they actually do it. And you could probably answer for me what I'm, how I'm going to re respond to this. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't depend on this person. It would be hours 
late to well, events or functions. And, and nine years of empty promise. Nine years of empty promise. And hundred percent, hundred percent. And so, no, I could not depend on this person at all. In a healthy relationship, you should be able to depend on that person hundred percent. Not. It got to the point where I like stopped asking for things or stopped asking him to show up or stopped expecting, you know, one of the last functions this person came to was my rotary installation. He was an hour and a half late and I stopped expecting him to be on time to things. Well, he also, he didn't want to come. He didn't want to come. No, you, you heard the conversation the day before, whenever this person told me you have plenty of friends coming, why should I even come? And he was not kidding. He was being completely serious. So I could not depend on him at all. Exactly. Uh, how many times little fights turn into huge blowouts? And I've kind of started talking about that earlier, but any little fight that we had would be a huge blowout fight by the end of it. And almost daily, we would have huge blowout fights to the point where, toward the end, I didn't want to pick up my phone. I was walking on eggshells when I was around him. I didn't want to tell him what I, how I truly felt about things because I knew they would turn into huge fights. It was nonstop. Every little thing, any little disagreement, argument, situation would turn into a huge fight every time. And, and it also includes, you know, talking about other people in his life. Yes. You know, like family members that yes. might, you know, not treat, have treated you properly. And that goes, it goes back to the, um, are they reliable? Yes. You know, you should be able to count on them to defend you, to, to have your back. And, you know, and that's why I see a lot of times where it's like, okay, this person doesn't even have their back when it comes to friends or family or somebody yeah. says something about them. They expect it out of you. Right. <laughs> like, you better make sure, you know, right. not talk bad about them, you know. But on the reverse, it's it's like, oh, well, they said that about you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the the next thing, and I want your advice on your thoughts on this, because I'm not really sure that it was something I struggled with, but I think it's something he definitely struggled with, was how you handle being on your own. I was okay on my own. I think that what we saw whenever he would threaten to kill himself anytime, that he obviously could not handle being on his own um, or the idea of being on his own. I don't know. I I don't know how this one plays into, into my past relationship is what I'm trying to say. Um, most, it's for, for being on your own, as you know, I'm, I'm a person that's quite capable of being on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for them, it's, it, it's, if they can't function on their own, um, a lot of times it's because they need the other person to, to f- be a punching bag yeah. to, to um, stroke that ego. You'll see a lot of times, you know, narcissists um, and toxic people, like they'll be with, you know, one person for a bit. And then when that finally, you know, you're done playing their games, you finally leave them, you get away, you stop messaging them, you know, they get, dry, basically you dry up the well yeah. and they can't get all that toxic, they can't feed off of you they will quickly jump to the next relationship. The next oh, yeah. person that's going to come by and fix them, you know, they'll jump to it because they need that constant, you know, yeah. um, attention, that constant feed. And when it comes down to is, you know, a lot of times they hate themselves, yeah. you know, and, and they don't say that in a way like, oh, if we just love them, you know, they'll fix it. And, that, and that's where we fall into the trap is we think, oh, if right. we just love them in the right way, then they will treat us the way we want because that's how we would behave you know if somebody loved us more we just love them more right they're a black hole 
You love them more and they just suck it up and they they give you nothing back in return. They may give you crumbs. Yeah. Just enough to remind you like, hey, I could be like this. But in the truth, it could be good. Just remember, it could be good. You know, don't give up. You know, don't give up on me. You know, keep trying and trying and trying. I'm not going to respond proper and I'm going to do everything wrong. But just wanted to remind you mm-hmm. what you could have. And a lot of times you'll see toxic relationships don't start out toxic. Right. They start out great because they want to get you in. Mm-hmm. They want to show you, oh, well, look, I'm such a wonderful person. And then the second you, you know, you're either in a long-term relationship with them or, you, you know, you move in or get knocked up, you know, yeah. or, or even married, that's when it flips with you. Because they're like, oh, I got you locked in. Mm-hmm. And I can be as horrible. It's like that meme where it shows the the person sitting on the couch and they got like their their body suit mm-hmm. pulled off, and it shows who they really are. That's what you are for them. They're the person they can re- show how insecure yeah. and toxic they are is to you, and and that's your purpose. Yeah. And as long as you're fulfilling it, I say you know with narcissists, it's um, are you helping their ego or hurting their ego? Yeah. yeah. And if you're helping their ego, they love you. Yeah. You know, you're, they're perfectly fine with you. If it hurts their ego, and that's where, you know, crying and being upset hurts their ego because they're like, oh, you're saying I'm causing this to you. I feel terrible about myself. But instead of being like, I shouldn't do this, it's, oh, would you stop pointing out that I do this yeah. to you? Yeah, I can see that. The last one is how comfortable you are being open with this person and I used to think early on I was pretty open with him but I think as things got worse I was too scared to rock the boat um and I felt like I was walking in eggshells especially toward the end and I didn't want to be open with him about certain things because I knew they would turn into huge blowout fights um even if it was this hurt my feelings or I don't want to go to this weekend activity because I'm just exhausted and I'm tired of being gone all the time it would turn into a huge fight of how you broke your promise even though there was no promise made that I would go on something such as a float trip but it turned into a huge thing and I would wait to the last minute to have to tell him because I didn't I knew what would happen. And so I was not comfortable being open, especially toward the end. At the beginning, I think it was different. But toward the end, that comfortableness was out the window. <laughs> well, you're pretty much mitigating um, the negative response. Yes. You know, and that's what you learn how to do is how to deal with it, how not, what not to say. You know, and it, it, it turns into like walking eggshells and a dance of, okay, how can I still interact with this person? You know, and because you're still, you're most of the time, you're still having that hope of they'll return to being a wonderful person yeah. they started out as. Now, I wrote down six red flags that I saw that I see now in that relationship, and I'm sure there's more, but I'm going to name off all six real quick, and you can tell me, I mean, you saw these. You were oh, yeah. there the whole time. You Well, not the whole time, but toward the end, you were there all the time. One of the red flags was not spending time with my family or friends, but yet I was with his family and friends constantly. I would go on trips with them. I would pay for half the trips. Because of him and some dislike between some family and friends, He, I can count on one hand how many times he spent time with my family and friends. One hand over a nine-year period. Yeah. The next one was, and this kind of feeds into it, I felt like I lived two separate lives. I lived a life with him and his friends and a life with my family and my friends and everything was separate and that was exhausting completely exhausting feeling like I had to keep my lives completely separate and um, it was 
on his timeline, not mine. Um, when he wanted something or when he or whatnot, he would get it. Or obviously I stayed with him for nine years thinking maybe something would change and maybe we would, you know, get married or something. And I look back now, thank goodness that didn't happen. But it was all on his timeline, never on mine. Um, I felt like I lived out of a suitcase, constantly going to see him because we were long distance. He came here when it was convenient. I mean, you guys saw that. You noticed that. And so I felt like I was living out of a suitcase all the time. That in of itself is also exhausting. I talked about this earlier. Would not let me process. Would completely push me on things. It would make me feel completely crazy. And he would push me and push me and push me until I would find my breaking point. And that was a huge red flag. And then we also talked about, you know, how small fights would always turn into large blowups. And what I've realized looking back is that most of the fights were because I was upset about something he did or didn't do. And he was then mad at me for being upset. Yep. Instead of, okay, let's figure out what happened here. What was the miscommunication or what can I do to make this better? He would tell me time and time again, I'm not responsible for your emotions. And so he would be upset that I was upset and almost flip the script. So those are the biggest red flags that I see now. And the only reason I talk about this, guys, is because it's time that we get real and we talk about toxic relationships and the things that we saw that weren't good because maybe there's someone out there listening that can relate to this. Or maybe there's someone out there listening that has survived a toxic relationship but still beats themselves up for being in that relationship. And the reality is you're not alone. You're not the only one that has been in it or could be in it right now. Um, I'm very thankful that I had friends that finally were like, uh, this is not okay. Yeah. And then that's also that comes down to um, being brave enough to share what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it was hard. It took me years to be brave enough. Because it's so much easier just to be like, well, maybe it's me, you know, and that's what they want you to think. It's you. You're not doing the right thing, which makes you try harder and harder and harder to do the right thing. But when you can find somebody and it may not be the first person you talk to, they might may not respond properly, but it's always good to talk to a couple people that you trust and say, hey. This is what happened. Is this normal? Because they don't want that. Yeah. A lot of times this is why they also they also will try to isolate you from your family members and family and, and say things like, well, you're just bothering them. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just crazy. You're the problem. Don't burden them with your issues because mm-hmm. they don't want them, you to go to them, to the family members, say, hey, this is happening and have them go, this is not healthy. Yeah. This is not right. And, you know, with him, it wasn't... He would always be like, well, I'd be happy to talk to them, but they don't want me there. And so, like, he kind of twisted it a little bit differently than what you would think that he would have twisted it. And so I thought they were the crazy ones. You know what I mean? Well, I'd be happy to, but they're the ones with the problem. And so it was a very creative way to spin it because it wasn't the typical way that you expect a narcissist to spin it. Um, but I say all of this to say that if you're going through something or you see someone going through something, it's okay to talk about it. You are not the problem. It's, I understand that it feels embarrassing to tell somebody what's really going on, but you will be so glad that you did because I guarantee you that you will have an Alba in your life that will say, this is not okay. And I want to go back to what you just said about you are not the problem. Because even if we do have our own issues, which we all do, it does not mean that you deserve to stay with a toxic person. It may just mean that 
you need to work on those issues. You need to step back, see a therapist, or get the kind of help that you need. Maybe it's going to church, you know, whatever you need to work on your own issues, um, and so that that you can find a better relationship and even have a better relationship with yourself. Yes. You know, and so we, because sometimes we'll get into this thing of, well, I have these problems, I have these issues, these mental issues, and therefore, maybe this is all I can, that I should, mm -hmm. I deserve. Yes. You know, um, maybe they're doing me a favor by putting up with my craziness, yeah. you know, which is what they want you to think. You know, they're doing, but the truth is, most people I see that are with toxic p people and narcissists, they are the most caring and loving people yeah. that will do anything for everyone else, but they won't, you know, but in their mind, that person is doing everything for them. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I realized, I'm not going to go too in-depth in this because I think this is a different episode, but one of the things that I didn't think would happen after getting out of a toxic relationship, I just thought, oh, there's going to be a huge weight lifted. I'm going to be happy again. I'm not going to walk on eggshells anymore. What I was not prepared for was how I still had to grieve that relationship, even though it was toxic. And I still had really hard days afterwards. And so I think this is a great stopping point. Um, we've got right on into some great issues when it comes to toxic relationships and really examined what a healthy relationship versus a toxic relationship looks like. And I think next time we're going to talk about grieving a toxic relationship because I think it's something that people don't talk about enough that you do have to take some time to grieve that and really what I what has happened to me since getting out of that relationship uh, months ago so uh, Alba thanks for joining me today thanks uh, for having me of course and you'll be back thanks for listening today guys uh, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and then we will see you next time on Get Real with Spree A creative life moves fast. And in that creative life, marketing and advertising can be overwhelming. Do you want to get connected into the social media pipeline? Do you know where to start? Spree Creative by Design is ready to answer these questions and to take it much further with top-line marketing and consulting, social media management, graphic design, photography, public relations, one-on-one, -on -one, small business, large business. It's time we find your why, and most importantly, begin telling everyone else. It's time to get real about your current and future customers. It's time to get real with Spree.